Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Jake Brown Show here with James Blake. We are at the AKTIV um, against cancer event. Uh, James, how you doing, man? Great, thanks. It's fun to be here. Uh, tell us about the event first. And I know cancer. You were your dad passed away from cancer, and what this event means to you? Yeah, well, anytime I can help support another foundation that, that does similar to mine, uh, help cancer research, and try to have less families uh, impacted the way mine was, uh, it's my pleasure to help out doing what I love to do is playing tennis. And if I can just use that to have a platform to, to help out and, and raise some money for, for cancer research, I'm, I'm thrilled to do it. And you know, active against uh, against cancer is a great cause. And happy to be a part of it when, once they ask me. And these guys playing, you guys just walked by. He was giving you the work a little bit. He was, yeah. he was doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, are you giving 100% out there? Let me get the right answer right here. <laughs> yeah, he's right here listening, so I better give the right answer. I mean, 100% of, of all I got left, which isn't yeah. as much as it used to be a few years ago, but it's, uh, you know, it's fun to come out and do these. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely trying to make sure that everyone's having a good time. Whether, whether or not I play my best isn't as important as everyone having a good time. And that's sort of the, uh, the theme a lot of times nowadays is, is make sure everyone's having fun and and the crowd's getting into it, and you're, um, you know, you're doing your best to, to show a little personality. Not something we maybe didn't have the opportunity to do as much when we were on tour, just so focused on winning and losing. If you were asked to go back and play now, what would your reaction be? I need a new shoulder. I need someone to, to replace that, maybe a few cortisone shots or something to, to get my shoulder back. But other than that, I actually my body feels pretty good. I'm able, I, I still feel like I can run, I can move all right. Um, I don't practice nearly the same, so it's not like a, the, the skills are quite there, but that would just take time. And the big thing is my shoulder and, and the ability to travel and recover. Uh, that, that's what changed as you get older. I just I can't recover the same. I could go out and play one match, but I can't mm-hmm. play two or three or four in a, de- in a week. But you are using your hands in other ways. You're right. And you yeah. wrote a book, Ways of Grace. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the book. Well, it was something that I never, um, never really planned on writing a second book after my first one, and I, um, I just had an incident happen to me with the New York Police Department here uh, about two years ago, and it made me realize that I have a voice and I should use it for uh, for a good cause, and I wanted to show people that athletes are. Or more than just what you see for the two hours or three hours you see them on your TV, that they have a social conscience and they can make an impact on, on society and a positive impact. There's too many stories in the, the press about negative uh, negative implications with, with athletes, and now I wanted to show that there's a lot that, um, that do positive things that have a reason uh, and a purpose bigger than sports. And um, I, I use my uh, story to kind of weave into, this, into the whole story of so many other athletes that are doing much greater uh, and more important things in, in their lives and with their uh, with their platforms one of those athletes as the events going on here at nfl headquarters is colin kaepernick Mm -hmm. what's your reaction to him and now all these other players who are kneeling and sitting for the national anthem well, I think he started a, a conversation, and I think it's extremely important to have that conversation about police brutality, about African Americans and, and people of color that are um, that are impacted much more uh, gravely than uh, than others. So, I think it, it was a, a huge sacrifice, and I think that's something I talk about in my book is is how much of a sacrifice and how much you're willing to how much of a chance you're willing to take. And it seems like he's committed to this cause, and and that to me inspires me. It, it inspires me to know that someone um, possibly gave up twenty to thirty million dollars because he doesn't have a job 
job. It seems like no owner wants to take the, the chance of, of hiring him, even though his skills prove that he should be in the NFL. It seems like they made a conscious decision not to hire him, and um, that can cost him millions and millions of dollars. And at the same time, he put a million dollars of his own money towards uh, his Know Your Rights campaign. And you know, I think it's it's um, it's something that should be applauded instead of so many people taking shots at him for just for the the way he did it. The method is what people seem to to be talking about when really it seems like they have the issue with um, the issue that he's talking about because I have a feeling if he knelt for the 22 uh, veterans that, that commit suicide every single day and their treatment in this country, then people wouldn't have a problem with it because they wouldn't feel like it's in, in any way disrespectful to the military. But um, I just think that uh, some people don't want to deal with that issue, and I, I think it's a great opportunity for him to get it on the, on the public forefront. And the fact that we're still talking about it over a year after his first protest means that he's done something right, and he did it in a peaceful manner. No one was killed, no one was harmed, no one was injured. He was out there um, just promoting equality. One of those guys is Jason Whitlock. I know you're not the biggest fan of him, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's entitled to his own opinion. I, I very rarely agree with it. Um, I, I think he's someone that, that that likes to just take a contrarian side and, and feel like taking shots at athletes, especially since he's a sort of a long-suffering, tortured uh, non-athlete. He wants to, uh, he wants to, you know, take shots at some of the people that actually had success with their with their athletic career, and then abuse those voices. So, um, you know, that's just that's the way it is in the media. I mean, people want to um, want to have a, a say and take a stand, and you know, his stand sometimes is uh, opposed to mine. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to tennis. One match back in your career uh, that you lost that you wish you had back. Um, is there one that you? Yeah, I mean, I think about the one with Andre Agassi at the U.S. Open, losing 7-6 in the fifth set, serving for the match. I obviously would have loved to have won that match and gone on to the semifinals facing my friend Robbie Ginepri. Um, if I had another one, you know, I'd love to be able to do that one over again, but the way it turned out, I think it's great for the sport of tennis. Looking back at your career, any regrets? No, that's something I'm really, really fortunate about. Is I, I set that as a goal, and I, I know every reporter in the press conferences hated me because they asked for the goals and they asked that same question millions of times. What are your goals for this year? What are your goals for today? What are your goals for this tournament? And it's always, my goal is always to have no regrets when I put down my rackets. And when I put down my rackets, I know I gave 100%, did everything I could to be as good and as successful as I could be um, while finding a balance of trying to have a life as well. And um, I felt like I did that, and um, you know, aside from the regrets of you know maybe wishing I had more talent or wishing I could have uh, had more success, which to me I, I think about that as just greedy. So I don't have those real regrets. I, I did everything I could with the with the gifts I was given. Was Federer the toughest guy you ever had to face, and what was the feeling like when you actually when you took him down? Uh, without a doubt, he was the toughest I ever played, and in my opinion, the, the best of all time. He was the only guy I felt like when I would play my best, um, I still might not have a chance of winning because he had a, that extra gear. And um, when I did finally beat him, it was so special doing it with USA on my chest um, at the Olympics. I was such a, so proud, and you know, really, I'd lost to him so many times already that it was it. It seemed like it was he would always find ways to win, whether I was playing well, whether I wasn't playing well. He would get over the finish sign and um, for that one to just not even think about that just take it point by point and, and get past the number one player in the world in my opinion the best of all time was uh, was a special night and then to be congratulated by the dream team have notes on my door going back it made it feel like a team atmosphere at the Olympics. What was it like being number one in the world? I mean, that I mean, uh, oh. top five in the world, you're number one in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Um, after everything that, that was after everything you went through, right? Yeah. And, uh, it was a tough year. That must have been incredible. It was really cool, and uh, you know, the fun thing about it was that I was with the same coach for almost my entire career, and he was so great about us always putting things in perspective and thinking about. Um, you know where we had come from, what we had done um, prior to that, and not letting it 
not ever getting too high or too low, trying to not let that affect me too much, but always recognizing that this is something that can never be taken away. So when I finished the year at number four in the world in 2006, you know, we sat on the offseason and said, hey, that's that's a pretty good accomplishment. Let's keep working to move forward and keep doing better because, you know, you never know what can happen if you, if you uh, keep improving more little things and, and get better and better. But um, this is something that you should, you know, you can always be proud of and you can say that you finished the number one American ahead of a Hall of Famer and Andy Roddick. So um, I was definitely proud of it, but I didn't want to let it affect me and let it go to my head that, you know, I, I deserved it in any way. There had to have been times where you thought about quitting after that year. I mean, the neck, your dad, everything that happened. Uh, how did you persevere and get through all that? Yeah, I definitely thought I may never play. And in fact, the doctors told me I may never play again. So it was, um, it was just a time. Actually, that was the, the first time it ever uh, occurred to me to write a book. That was when I realized I may never play tennis again. What else could I do? Um, first thought, actually, was to write a children's book. So I wanted to try to start doing that. And um, it didn't work out exactly as planned, and I actually started getting better and improving. My health got better, and once I got back out on the court, um, the book took a back seat. And then when I started having success on tour, um, the publishers came back to me and said, hey, now maybe we'd like you to write a book. So it, um, it worked out you know, full circle that I had already made that inquiry and started, started the conversation, and then they wanted me to write one. So it was, um, it was a lot of fun to be a part of that. It was cathartic after my dad passed, and um, I was just, uh, just lucky to, to have that opportunity. All right, the U.S. Open's here right around the corner. Uh, any favorites you have to win it? Well, I think there's, some, there's a lot of question marks. Uh, Rafa's performance last couple of tournaments haven't been as good. Rogers back. We're not sure about it. Didn't look good in the finals of, of Montreal. So, um, if those guys are healthy, amazingly in 2017, they're still the favorites. But um, with them possibly not at their best, you wonder if it's time for one of the young guys to step up. Whether it's Sasha Zverev's turn, whether Nick Kyrgios can stay healthy, whether he can stay uh, in it mentally enough to get through seven matches, three out of five sets. I don't know, but. Um, uh, there's there's definitely some question marks that'll be answered at least in the first couple matches to see how Rafa and Roger are doing health wise. On the other side, Serena Venus. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've played alongside them. Uh, yeah. Can you speak to how their greatness and now as they are soon passing the torch on to someone else? Yeah, I would say soon passing, but I don't know about it. The way Serena talks, she might play for another four or five years, which yeah. is amazing. You know that their longevity is something that I think is underrated because of their greatness. You know, they talk about how great they are, but they've been on tour for 20 years each, and that's uh, most people can't even do that at any level and for, to do it at the top of the level the top level of the game is truly remarkable and I wouldn't put it past Serena to have a baby come back and, and get right back to the top of the world so um, it's it's pretty amazing what they've done and you know now um, with Serena out uh, Azarenka out uh, Sharapova we're not sure her health leaves the the women's draw pretty wide open Kerber hasn't had that much success this year Muguruza has been playing much better um, Pliskova and Halep both have a chance at number one in the world so it's gonna be a lot of fun but it, it shows just the uh, the parody when you take out Serena who had been the overwhelming favorite for so many years all right what happened to our Mets this year I mean we I was World Series are bust everyone gets yeah. hurt uh, hopefully Terry Collins is gone after the year yeah what happened well I'm not as concerned about Terry Collins as I'm about the training staff they get so many guys hurt and it keeps happening over and over and some of them see preventable with soft tissue injuries and stuff so I don't know what they're uh, I don't know what they're doing there but you know Syndergaard came back looked like he was almost too strong he had been in the gym too much he needs to go back to just being loose and throwing 99 miles an hour so I um, I don't know what the answer is but you like know. where they're headed 
you like the moves that were made to kind of rebuild here? Yeah, I mean, I think at this at that point in the season, it kind of had to be done um, and, and start looking towards the future, looking towards some of these young guys, giving them opportunities in real game situations. Um, so we'll see. They haven't exactly performed unbelievable, but that's to be expected right when they start. Um, so hopefully next year, if they've got a little bit more experience and we got some of the pitching back, if we have the pitching back, then it's starting to talk about World Series again. But I don't know. I don't, I don't trust it quite yet. And last one, Giants record prediction. Um, hoping I was gonna say ten and six. I'm not as optimistic. I'm hoping I'm hoping for ten and six, and I'll be happy with that. I think that might win the division. I don't I don't see the the Cowboys running away with it like they did last year. We'll see now with Beckham's injury. So yeah, for week one, he said it'll be okay. I gotta trust him. James Blake, follow him on Twitter at JR Blake, and go get the book Ways of Grace now. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 